Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I'm coming to you from Burbank, California, which if you've been listening to the podcast or you follow me on uh, social media, you probably know that my middle son, Tim, is moving to California. And it's so funny because um, I get so many comments like, dude, what are you doing letting your kid move to California? Like, that's the belly of the beast and and all this stuff. And, you know, it is interesting. I never actually thought that one of my children would live in California. And, you know, um, yeah, there's just a lot of interesting stuff going on here. But um, I'm reminded of the scripture, I think it's in Proverbs 18, that says, train a child up in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And so I am at ease with Tim moving here. Um, he's, he's a great young man. He's got a a solid head on him and, uh, he's, he's moving here to do an internship. He's chasing his passions, um, around, uh, film production. He just finished up school. And so he's coming here and, um, I'll tell you what though, um, you know, coming from the Phoenix weather to Burbank today, man, it's nice here. <laughs> um, I can see why people love California. I mean, you know, the beautiful weather, it's nice year around here. Um, yeah, it's, it's great, but you know, the taxes and the politics and all that kind of stuff, they're going to have to get it figured out. But anyhow, that's not the point of the, the show today. Um, I was going to talk to you guys today about something that I put up on my blog recently, and I wanted to take a second and let you know that if you didn't know already, I have a blog at www.investingforfreedom.co, which is my Investing for Freedom website. And I will, um, you know, if you're listening to this on YouTube or if you are um, seeing this, you know, a short clip on Instagram, um, you know, I'll, I'll link it there. But if you want to follow the blog, uh, I'm going to be a little bit more consistent, actually a lot more consistent than I've been there at the blog. Um, I think it's a great way to get information out in a way that's digestible, you know, outside of audio. And so go to www.investingforfreedom.co and um, you can check out the blog there. Um, this last week I put out a blog called model the wealthiest. And it's funny because I got some comments, um, via, via email. And if you're on, if you're not on the email list, you can go to investingforfreedom.co and also join, um, the email list. And then, you know, you'll get that, uh, blog sent to your inbox, but it's funny cause I got a comment from someone, um, in my inbox saying, what are you crazy? Because I was, um, you know, talking in the blog about modeling the wealthiest and, specifically talking about Elon Musk and how Elon Musk is, um, well, basically I said, you should uh, model your investment approach after Elon Musk, the businessman, but not Elon Musk, the crypto commentator. And, um, you know, I went on to talk about how wealthy people don't speculate and, you know, I got some feedback saying, you know, that's not completely true. Wealthy people allocate a certain, you know, part of their investment portfolio to speculation and blah, blah, blah. The point that I was trying to make was that the wealthy people don't speculate period with the majority of their wealth. I do think that you listen, if you're comfortable, I'm actually in a pod, um, when it comes to go abundance and we talk about this a lot when it comes to crypto and, and new things that we don't really understand. Um, 
you know, me and me and these five other guys, we get in conversations all the time. And I intentionally allocate a certain amount of my portfolio of my liquid net worth to speculation, a very, very small portion um, until I understand something. And so that's what I was really getting at when it comes to speculation. Until you truly understand something, it's speculative. Um, and I think this particular individual was um, calling me nuts because I, um, I think he took it as me saying, you know, don't invest in crypto or whatever. Um, you know, cryptos, crypto is an interesting space and I'm, you know, I'm, I like it. I like it long-term and I do, I am invested in it, but it's a small percentage of, of my net worth. Um, I've, I've been creeping it up over, you know, the last little bit, even though it's still going up, I've been increasing my position in it, but in my mind, it's still speculative. Um, we don't know what it's going to look like long-term. I have some ideas. I just got back from the rebel capitalist conference, uh, last week in Miami and you know, it further solidified what I believe about crypto, but anyway, not the point. The title of the blog was Model the Wealthiest, and I'm going to share a few things. Um, let's set crypto aside. Let's set the speculation aside. Um, here's what I talked about in the blog. And again, I would encourage you to go, um, go read it, but um, here's the Reader's Digest portion of it. Um, here's how you can model the wealthiest. It all starts with the mindset. The investment mindset of the wealthiest is completely different than the average retail investor. Um, that ma that mindset translates um, to the assets that they favor as well, which are also in contrast to what the retail investors pursue. You know, I think back to um, pulling a 401k with a business partner, um, which we used to start our first business. And, you know, the old adage of, you know, just go to school, get good grades, get a job, invest in a 401k. And, you know, when you're 60 or 65 or 70 or, you know, however old it is, um, everything's going to be fine. And the crazy thing is it's not going to be fine. And what retail investors invest in, even if it's not in your 401k, even if it's, you know, just through Morgan Stanley or, you know, your wealth advisor at uh, Raymond James or whatever it is, um, the wealthy people don't invest in the same thing that retail investors invest in. Um, I had this in my mind as a theory at one stage, but I can tell you after having sat in many, many, many investment meetings with very wealthy family offices, um, very wealthy investors and advisors, they're looking for a specific type of return. Now, do they have some of their stuff allocated to, you know, certain positions? Yeah, but even that, um, you know, your advisor over there at uh, Morgan Stanley is is probably putting you in different things than, than they put their high net worth um, clients. Not here to really get too speculative about that. But the reality is the bottom line, I can promise you, um, the assets that the wealthy favor are different than what the average retail investor invests in, in a Vanguard fund or something like that. So here's the thing that we need to like focus in on the mindset. Um, mindset is so important when it comes to investing. And I'll just, I'm going to, you know, talk about some things that I talked about in the blog. The first thing is eliminate the noise. The wealthiest ignore all the buzz and all the noise going on around the cable news, the internet, social media, talking about the next hot investment, you know, Jim Cramer, hitting the button, they ignore the news and they look at the numbers, data, metrics, and trends. That stuff never lies. Um, I put a podcast out a few weeks ago, which you guys probably listened to about intuition versus logic and, and how are we led. And, you know, when we talk about numbers, data, metrics, et cetera, even if you feel good about a certain crypto, or even if you feel good about a stock, or even if your intuition tells you, you should be investing in a certain company, you still need to come back to the numbers, data, metrics, and trends. Uh, the bottom line at the end of the day, we lead with our intuition 
and we back it up with logic. So it's, it's interesting because I had this thought and it's not exactly the same, but when it comes to mindset, I was at the gym the other day and, um, you know, I was, I was, uh, doing a certain exercise on the stair climber that my doctor wants me to, you know, keep my heart rate at a certain pace. And so anyway, I'm on this stair climber for 45 minutes and I'm watching, um, a couple of shows on, on YouTube. Um, I think I watched, you know, one of Ken McElroy's videos and then I was watching part of Joe Rogan with David Sinclair, um, you know, talking about some health stuff that I'm currently working on in my body. And so anyway, I, I use, I utilize this time when I'm not like lifting or whatever, when I'm, you know, kind of doing like the stair, stair climber, that kind of stuff to, to learn. Well, when I turned around and I got off the stair climber, um, there was, there was a, a cardio room in there with, with movies playing. And I, you know, poked my head into the cardio room and there was all these people in there exercising, watching, um, big daddy, the Adam Sandler movie. And li listen, I'm not, I love a, a good movie just like anybody else. Um, but it made me just really think like, what, what are like, what are we doing? We spend so much time, like if you went to the gym three times a week and you're doing cardio, um, you know, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes, like, should you be watching a movie or, or should you be learning something? And you know, I'm not again here to judge, but the reality is I can tell you that the wealthiest, um, their mindset, they eliminate the news, they utilize their time properly, et cetera. The second thing is lose the lottery ticket mindset. The wealthiest people don't speculate. They stick to tried and true assets and they'll venture into new segments if the data and the trends support branching out. And, you know, again, just like crypto, they probably start with a smaller position, testing it out, figuring out what it is, unless they've done a ton of research and then they might, you know, take a bigger position. So lose the lottery ticket mindset. And I know it's, it's hard. It's hard to, you know, it, it's hard to not get excited about it, but we've got to lose it. We need to focus on generational wealth. The wealthiest are investing The wealthiest are investing with an eye beyond their own lifetimes. They're looking to leave legacy that will last for generations. That's why they avoid the shiny investments with no guarantee of sticking around. The wealthiest gravitate towards real estate assets and income producing businesses with sticking power. I've been hitting on this. Businesses create liquidity. And then you take that liquidity and you turn it into assets. And then assets create wealth, long-term wealth. Um, you know, I've been having this conversation a lot lately. There's a lot of people that think that you know, they're going to, um, they're, they're in a W2 job and they, you know, think that real estate is going to get them wealthy. And they keep saying to themselves, I hear this over and over and over. If I could just get to 6,000 a month or 7,000 a month or $10,000 a month in passive real estate income, I could quit my job. Well, here's the problem with that. The minute that you get to that number, and I'm not saying you should or shouldn't, but the reality is the minute that you get to that passive income number and you quit your job, that's no longer really, um, you know, it's no longer really generating wealth. Now you've just, now you have to use that money to live off of. And so it's no longer compounding. It's no longer, you know, turning into more. And hopefully when you do that, I'm not telling you not to quit your job. What I'm saying is that you have to really think about the fact that when you quit that job, now you just lost a whole bunch of your income and now you're living off of your wealth generation. So you just got to keep that in perspective. And I'm not telling you what's right or wrong with it, but I see this happen so many times. We get to a point where, you know, we're making so much passive income per month that we quit our job and then we just cut our income in half. And now we're really back to square one and, it, and you're going to have to double that again to get back to the same place of income generation and, and wealth building that you were at before. Again, not saying either one of them is right or wrong. You just...
you, you just have to understand it. Um, because the reality is, um, investing in real estate is only passive to a point. You got to get, once you get to a point that you're literally running a business, it's now a business again, and it's no longer passive again, not right or wrong. I love running real estate businesses, property management companies, construction companies that support it. I love all of that. I'm just saying, call it what it is. It's a business. It's not a passive real estate investing um, portfolio. It's a business. Um, the other thing is partner with experts. Um, the wealthiest have as one of their um, overriding investment objectives is to generate multiple streams of income. Now, when we think of multiple streams of income, you know, we think of it I think at a smaller scale, a lot of times, you know, like oh, I've got a W2 job and I need to create multiple streams of income so that I don't have to rely on my job, but that never ends. Um, you know, I know some guys that literally have 75 different streams of income coming in and they're very, very, very wealthy and successful. So that whole principle, that thought in our mindset, it never ends. Like you need to continue to create multiple streams of income. They know that there's not enough time in the day to create multiple streams of income, especially diversified streams that span multiple asset classes, segments, and geographic locations that build 24 seven wealth, unless they partner with experts. That's why the wealthiest will invest passively by partnering with experts and leveraging their expertise in their respective field and geographic markets to accomplish their goals. That's important because I think a lot of times, you know, especially as early investors, we just think that, you know, by betting solely on ourselves, we can get better returns. Well, that's true up to a point. And then it gets to a point where you need to diversify because literally we have to be super careful that we don't start, you know, living in our own confirmation bias, thinking that, you know, what we're investing in is the best and, and, you know, that we can do it better than everybody else. Again, that might be true to a point, but it will get to a point in your life. And I hope you get here where you need to start thinking about investing in other people and other asset classes. And I think about this a lot. Um, there's a few asset classes that I'm an expert in when it comes to real estate. I'm an expert in, uh, manufactured housing, which by the way, if you're looking for passive investment opportunities, text the word MHP to 480-531-7519. We've got a great portfolio that we've put together. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful portfolio of communities that um, we've kind of pulled together into a single fund. Great, great opportunity for, for investment right now passively. But anyway, back to the point. Um, I'm, I'm an expert in a few areas. Manufactured housing is one of them. Um, service businesses is another one. I've, I've got a background in, in building service companies, construction businesses, you know, building out teams, building teams around real estate. But again, when it comes to like, you know, multifamily, let's say apartment investing, could I go do that? Yeah, I could. But the reality is there's people that already have a team built out around that. They already have their relationships with their brokers. They've got, you know, relationships with property management companies in certain key markets that I would like to focus on. And so, there comes a point where stay in your lane and invest with other people. And so Kara and I literally look to, you know, invest in other people's asset classes. Here's an example. I've got a buddy of mine that does um, RV campgrounds and I'm strongly considering, you know, putting some money with him, even though, you know, a lot of people from the outside would think that mobile home parks and RV parks are the same thing. They're completely different. The operations different. He has to have a store there. He has to have, you know, more staff on site because they're doing turns all the time. They have to, you know, their marketing is completely different. They're completely different. And so, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, why would you invest with somebody else? You know, you already do mobile home parks. Why don't you just buy your own RV park? That's small thinking. I can diversify my risk by investing with other people. 
And so again, stay in your lane. Um, you know, the wealthy understand that they partner with experts. The other thing is try new boundaries. The, we the wealthiest aren't afraid to branch out. They aren't willing to follow the herd, which historically has never faced fared well when hard times hit. They're contrarian investors who think two steps ahead of everyone else. They invest in planning for recessions. What are assets that are recession and inflation proof? Those are the types of questions that the wealthy ask themselves. They're, you know, and on that point too, you got to start asking better questions. What are the assets that are recession and inflation proof or, or resistant at least? Those are the type of questions that the wealthy ask themselves all the time. And that's why they're regularly led back to the real assets and productive businesses for their portfolio allocations. This is why I'm always talking about invest in, you know, cash flowing businesses. You take those cash flowing businesses that spin off liquidity and then there's a bunch of depreciation and tax benefits in businesses as well. But as you're spinning off liquidity, then you invest that into, you know, cash flowing assets that then generate wealth. So here, let's sum this up. Um, these are the things that I would really say to you. And this is kind of what I spelled out in the blog. Just go check it out. But you need to invest in real companies, invest in companies who value, whose value is tied to something that they produce or the service they offer. Don't invest in worthless or unprofitable companies or assets just because everybody else is doing it. Uh, prior to, um, getting to the hotel room today, I was just listening to, um, Nick Sue, uh, on a podcast and he was talking about how Motorola, um, I think it was, I, I'll probably get these mixed up, but I think it was Google bought Motorola and had to discount like $900 million or something that they had to just like completely write off because it was a bad, it was a bad investment. And then I think it was Microsoft that did the same thing with, um, Nokia and they ended up having to write it off too. And so don't invest in worthless or unprofitable companies or assets just because everybody else is doing it. So invest in real assets, real assets are immune from herd mentality. The herd can't move the needle on the prices of real assets like they can on stock prices because real assets are illiquid. They can't be bought and sold with the click of a phone screenshot like stocks can. Besides being shielded from market volatility, real assets also appreciate over time. Now, do stocks do that? Sure. But again, there's it's volatility. We can't time that. We can't, it's all speculative. And you got all these, um, you know, the high frequency trading and all that. You can't beat it. You, you can't beat it. Some people are beating it. Some people can beat it. So, you know, I'm going to get some hate mail. I know I would say, Mike, you can definitely beat it. I beat it. I, I've done it. I'll show you. Well, that's true if you're going to go all in on studying that, you know, vertical, that asset class. But I don't think that most of us that are listening to this have the time to be a full-time stock trader. I just don't think that you can do that. Um, yeah, I don't think you can win without doing that. I guess I should have said it that way. Um, start side ventures and new ventures. Break from the crowd and take a chance on something the rest of the investing public is ignoring. Creating multiple streams of income will be the surest route to displacing your current labor-based income only. Only when your passive income sources meet your current expenses can you walk away from your day job. And I think that that's really what the majority of people are looking for is how do I get to the point that I can, you know, walk away from my day job, buy my freedom, earn my freedom. It's the whole reason why I launched this podcast, Investing for Freedom. I just happened to do it at an early age. And the thing that I want to say to you too is like, don't be scared. Like we're so scared, you know, to, to lose this or, or, um, you know, invest in a coach or invest in our mentality. I had a conversation um, with a lady the other day that was talking about, you know, their dream is to, to move to another state. And as I really got talking to her and started asking, you know, peeling back the curtain, asking her questions, they actually have enough money to be able to do it now. They just, they're scared to bet on themselves. And, and a lot of times um, you just need somebody from the outside 
to just put the pieces in place for you. And that's what a coach does. That's what a course does. That's all what like, that's why I'm always in masterminds. That's why I'm always paying a coach because they shift my mentality. They point out blind spots that I have that I just don't see. So it's super important that, you know, you're always just trying to look for a different perspective, just see things from a different view. And that comes back to asking good questions, right? Um, and the last thing is invest for cash flow. Obviously, cash flow is necessary for compounding wealth through reinvestment in current and additional assets. It's through compounding power that generational wealth is created and maintained. Here's what's interesting that I was thinking about just the other day. The problem, and this kind of comes back to the compounding power of, of cash flow, your job will never compound on you. Now, if you save, the income from your job will never compound on you. If you save a percentage of that, let's say you put 10% or 20% or 30% away every week or whatever, every month, however you get paid, you take that and invest it, that will compound. But the reality is your job never really actually compounds unless, because we spend it all. We spend it on consuming, consumption. This is the simple thing. It's very complex because until we get it, it, it's, it's complex. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. When you're making a hundred grand a year and you're spending a hundred grand a year, you will, that will never compound for you. That's why a job will never, ever, ever make you wealthy. So whatever portion of your income that you invest in something else, it's going to compound because let's say you took $10,000 this year and you invested it in something. By the way, one of my favorite books ever is the richest man in Babylon. And it's such a simple, amazing, fun read. And that this is like, basically all they talk about is the seven laws of gold, the five laws of gold. It's just like pounding this in our brain. But what they're, so back to the point, if you took $10,000 and you invested it in something and it made a $2,000 return that year, now you've actually got, and now you go and invest that $2,000 and it goes and makes money. And then, so next year you've got $12,000 that's invested and that turns into 14,000 and it just keeps compounding on you. But the money that you made with your job that you spend on consuming, there is no, it, it, there's, there's no compounding there. It's just consumed. It's gone. It's gone forever. So you, your time's gone forever because you traded your time for money. And then you took that money and you consume stuff with it. You go buy stuff that you need to eat, wear, entertain, whatever, travel. I'm not saying any of that's bad, but it's gone. It can't go compound. It's gone. So you traded your time, your time is gone, and now you spent your money, your money's gone, and, and that's why you never get ahead. And again, it's so simple at the end of the day. If you're not going to save a portion of, what the, of the income you make and get it compounding for you, then you just need to create other streams of income that start bringing in other money so that that can start compounding or a combination of all the above. And you'd be surprised, just like with compound interest, the first year, two years, three years, five years, it might go a little slow. But pretty soon it starts stacking on you. It starts compounding. Um, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this, but um, that's where the value lies. And so it's through this compounding power that generational wealth is created and maintained. So anyway, I hope that you're um, you know, inspired by that. I hope it, it helps a little bit. And again, um, I hope that by changing your mindset and reallocating your basket of investment assets, uh, maybe that'll help you get a little further ahead. So go out there, uh, make it great. And again, if you want to uh, start reading the blog, I'm going to put probably at least two blogs out a month from, from here forward. So go to www.investingforfreedom.co 
and you can follow it there. Just put your email in and, and uh, we'll get it to your inbox. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you'd take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.